0: And welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship in the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. Today's topic is How Interfaith Fellowship Takes Us Beyond War. Please welcome Rev. Thomas Perchlick of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie.
1: In this day, as the United States... Fights, wars against terrorists, against the people of Iraq, against poverty, against drugs. It is essential to raise up the words of the prophet Micah, who said, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall all sit under their own vines and fig trees and no one shall make them afraid. Interfaith activity holds promise because it is an engagement in the practice of peacemaking. It is a way of moving us towards that day that has been evoked by Micah. In religion, I think of in the context of war as being like a fuel for the fire. If you have flame of a conflict burning, and you put religion into it, it could be like pouring gasoline on, the, on uh, a candle. It suddenly bursts forth an explosion of fire. It adds and fuels it, makes it greater and stronger. And in the, in, in the face of this, we must practice a different way of being religious. We must fight against that tendency. We must engage in a war against war. We must not compromise our faith. You know, We not, must not put the goal of getting along with others or the goal of avoiding conflict above practicing our faith, of holding to what we know is true, of watering down our religious beliefs in order to find some meaningless common ground. We must engage in interfaith activity. We must listen and speak with others in order to find that greater power, overwhelming and transforming power that will rise us, lift us up beyond violence, beyond the terrors of this world. Martin Marty, sociologist and thinker, recently quoted a man he calls his favorite atheist in a gathering of scholars at the University of Chicago. And an atheist stood up and said, I fight religion, tooth and nail." because of the evil that religious people bring. Wars, terrorism, ignorance, hatred. On balance, wouldn't you agree that religion is bad, not good for the human race? As believers, that question should haunt us. That question should challenge us. It's easy of those of us who know the good, know the power, know the joy of faith, for whom religion has been a source of inspiration, has guided us to do good acts, has changed our lives for the better, it is easy to sort of disregard that question, to push it off to the side, to say that it's only the extremists, it's only the militants in religion, those who are using religion incorrectly, that engage, that turn religion to the sources and the powers of war. But the fact is, it is a much Broader problem. War and religion have always been wed and bound together. Recently, the Episcopal Bishop William Swing has started the United Religions Institute. He noticed that there was a United Nations institution, a gathering of all the nations of the world, but the religions had done nothing to come together and seeing the way in which religion actually fueled the wars and countered the work of the secular organizations of the United Nations, he believed that it was essential that we come together to end religiously motivated violence. This violence is not only between people in between different religions, such as the Muslims and the Hindus fighting over sites in in India and the horrible violence of partition, not between Muslims and Christians in Nigeria, for example, where Christian militants, overwhelmingly Christian, and the Fulani uh, Muslim herders are killing each other in endless cycles of violence. But also within religions, Shia against Sunni, Catholics against Protestants. In Ireland, for example, there a political situation, a social situation, has been dragged into to generations of violence through the power of religion. The power of religion should be used not to perpetuate violence, but to go in a different direction. Now, war is inevitable. It's inevitable if we are going to counter the aggressive people. There will always be aggressive human beings. There will always be human beings who are lured and tempted by violence to get what they want. And so others must use violence to stop them. But as the great universalist preacher, In the 19th and early 20th century, Olympia Brown said, We can never make the world safe by fighting. Every nation must learn that the people of all nations are children of God and must share the wealth of the world. You may say this is impracticable, far away, can never be accomplished, but it is the work we are appointed to do. Sometime, somehow, somewhere, we must ever teach this great lesson. In responses to the evils of war, of racism, of oppression, religious people seek a greater power, something that is stronger, something that will overwhelm the strength of violence, the strength of guns, the strength of the military. The United States knows the the strength that comes through being a military force. If you take the the five countries that spend the most, uh, other than the United States, you take the five largest countries of the world that spend the most on military power and you put all of their military budgets together, they still will not equal even half of what the United States spends on military, on war and violence, and yet the world is no safer. In fact, our recent engagement in war, though it has gotten rid of Saddam Hussein, has has increased the amount of terrorist violence in the world. So it was Martin Luther King, Jr., in looking at the violence and the oppression that he experienced as an African-American, went to another religion. He looked to India, and he met people who had were followers of Gandhi, and he read the words of Gandhi. And it was in that interreligious context that he became a better Christian. He came to understand The message of Jesus, the beatitude of Jesus, that the peacemakers shall be called children of God. He came to understand that better. He realized there are things in the social system to which all of us ought to be maladjusted. But as he said, hatred and bitterness, though we should feel uncomfortable about things, hatred and bitterness can never cure the disease of fear. Only love can do that. Of course, he was referring to the great divine agape love he said we must evolve for all human conflict he didn't deny that there would be conflict he knew that there was going to be conflict but he said for that conflict we must evolve a method which rejects revenge aggression and retaliation he listened to the practice of a hindu of muhammad gandhi and he came to understand what it meant and how he as to be a christian who had bombs thrown on his porch, who had his own life threatened many times, who was beaten, who was thrown into jail. He, in, in, the, in that context, in that threat, very real, tangible threat, he said we must reject revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. Before it is too late, he said, we must narrow the gaping chasm between our proclamations of peace and our lowly deeds which precipitate and perpetuate war. One day we must come to see that peace is not merely a distant goal we seek, but the means by which we arrive at the goal we must pursue peaceful ends through peaceful means. And the practice of people coming together across religious difference and listening to one another, finding out why the other believes as they do, why the other what the other hopes, what the other longs for, is essential. Not too long ago, in an interfaith uh, context, everyone is aware, of course, of the violence between uh, Muslims and Jews in Israel. Political situation that is fueled by religious and ethnic difference to be almost intractable. The cycle of revenge and violence continues there. But in an interfaith context, two people who really had very different ideas about Israel were speaking about their faith. And one was a Jewish man. He read a prayer from his practice. And when the Muslim man heard that Jewish prayer, he was shocked. And he said, I can quote to you words, almost the exact same words from the Quran." He said, why is it? that we who share so much in faith should be so divided by politics? Why is it that we who hold a faith in the Lord of the universe, the God that created the universe, could not be unified in other things? That was a moment in which interfaith activity began to plant the seeds that would undo this fear, this disease of fear that divides us. Certainly, we must stand against aggressive people. But that alone will never make us safe. It will never make us secure. It will only be forming relationships, gaining understanding, seeking common ground, and deepening our own faith in the process. If we do not fear the presence of others, but we listen to them, sit with them, and seek the shared goals and dreams in an interfaith context, then all the evil, all the hatred, all the ignorance, all the extremist terrorism that has been created by religion will start to be undone. And religion will be restored and reclaim its proper place as the source of goodness and hope in this world. The Unitarian Universalist Church is a place where interfaith experience is possible. People of very different beliefs come together to find a new tradition, a new heritage, a new unified faith. Uh, I'd like to end my comments today with a reading from our hymnal, the words from the Mahatma, Mohandas K. Gandhi. If someone with courage and vision can rise to lead in nonviolent action, the winter of despair can, in the twinkling of an eye, be turned into the summer of hope. But nonviolence is not a garment to put on and off at will. Its seat is in the heart, and it must be an inseparable part of our being. Nonviolence, which is a quality of the heart, cannot come by an appeal to the brain. It is a plant of slow growth, growing imperceptibly, but surely, if we are to reach real peace in this world, and if we are to carry on a real war against war, we shall have to begin with the children. The future depends on what we do in the present. So let us teach our children faith, but let us teach our children also interfaith, activity, and trust. In this world, it grows increasingly smaller. In the United States of America, which grows increasingly diverse in its religious landscape, the practice of reaching across religious difference becomes more and more essential, vital, and absolutely necessary to the practice of democracy, to the assurance of peace in this world.
0: Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolfe, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant week.